I want to start with a little story about 21 years ago. God has really laid on my heart to start this church. And I was on staff at a church in Seattle. And, and uh, the, the pastor that I served with was a great man. He's one of the most generous people that I'd ever known. And, and he just, he loved to give. He lived to give. And God was speaking to my heart that we were to start a new church. And I got to tell you, when you're on staff and and the pastor, that's not kind of in his plan, but you sense God put it in your heart. It was really kind of tricky for me, at least emotionally. How do I do this? How do I talk to him about it? And, and so I went and talked to him about it. And, and I remember that look on his face when I first started talking to him, started telling him what I felt like God was putting in our heart to do. And he had kind of that strange look on his face. And I said, hey, don't worry, pastor. We're not going to start here in Seattle. We're going to start in Orlando, Florida. And he got a great big smile on his face, and he was happy. And and I just told him, and at that time, Miss Laura and I, we had planned to move here and get jobs and work and start the church kind of as, you know, they call it like a tent maker, work and start like most, many people have to do. And he came back a couple of days later and he said, you know, he said, God spoke to my heart. He goes, I don't want you to have to work when you get there. He goes, we're going to continue to pay your salary for one full year. Come on, give God a great big hand. I mean, it was amazing, and they blessed us. They sent us out with blessing and resources and equipment, and two other families moved with us, and we landed here. We didn't know anyone, and I met an elder over at Northland Community Church, and uh, this elder was a great guy. His name was Dave Shaw, great man, and uh, we were going to develop a relationship, and he invited me into a small group with Dr. Joel Hunter, and at that time, Dr. Joel Hunter had one of the largest churches in America, and, and our hearts resonated, and we began to share our vision, and Northern Community so believed in the vision and the direction that God was leading us as a small little congregation of just a handful of people that they came along and said, you, you know what they said? We want to give you $1,000 a month. And they did it for one year. They did it for two years. You know how I know? Because I used to go to the mail, and I used to need checks in the mail just to keep going. And I'd go, anybody ever need a check in the mail? Come on, you're believing God. And I'd go to the mail every day, man. Is the check there? Is the check there? And they did it for, just for one year. They did two years. They did three years. They gave us a 1000 bucks a month. It was amazing and so awesome to see what God did then. But what I realized in that moment is that in order for them to be a blessing to us, they had to be blessed. In order for them to be a blessing, they had to have the blessing of God. They had to have an abundance to be able to give. And, and something just stirred in our hearts. And even way back in the very beginning, when we had barely had enough, we, we gave to other ministries. We continued to pass it on. And a couple of years ago, as a congregation, we made a commitment to help other churches. We were in a place now God had blessed us. We'd been a place where there wasn't enough. And now God was bringing a place of more than enough as a congregation. And, and so we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do what someone else did for us. We're going to give another local ministry, another local church, $1,000 a month. And a couple of weeks ago, we had Pastor Shannon Eaton and his wife, Jessica, with us. And Pastor Shannon preached. He's planted Life City Church in Jacksonville a little over two years ago. And, and uh, to this day, you've given him over $18,000. Come on, can you give God a great big hand? You can see Dot Shannon's heart. And can you put that picture, there, that picture up there? There we go, someplace there. God's Pastor Shannon and Jessica. And then... About a year and a half ago, I met this young man, and, and he's from the Greenhouse Church in Gainesville, and he came here to start a church, and God spoke to us. I just, his spirit is just so awesome. He's just a, such a wonderful brother, and, and I loved his vision and his heart for the community. And you can see he's got his hands full. He's got four little ones there, a couple of twins, and got to meet their family, and we said, you know what? We want to help you guys, and so we've committed for the last year, and we've give, given them $1,000 a month as a local church. Come on. Can you give God a great big hand? 
You did that. We did that as a family today. We were able to be a blessing to another church because God has blessed us. I want to talk to you on this idea this morning, blessed to be a blessing. Come on, everyone say it with me. Blessed to be a blessing. I want to talk to you on blessed to be a blessing. Uh, amen. Today we're going to pray, and we have such a wonderful children's ministry here at City Church. Pastor Nathan and Kim, they're over serving today over in the kids' building. And do you know that over 250 kids attend this church on a weekly basis? Come on. Can we give God a great big hand for that? Those are your kids. We're going, to play for, we're going to pray for our kids today. We're going to pray for our children's ministry, for the children of our community. Will you join with me as I pray? Father, thank you today for your generosity and grace. Thank you for this wonderful time in your presence. We, we are so grateful and so thankful. The atmosphere has changed. We, there's something in our hearts and spirits that are open to receive and to hear. For those that are here today, God, at the sound of my voice, I pray that you'll give them an ear to hear. Give them an ear to hear. Give them an eye to see. Give them hands to act. God, I pray that you'll speak to their hearts. We'll leave this place changed. We won't stay the same that we came, but something will happen in our heart and our spirit because the atmosphere of our soul has been changed. God, we thank you for the children of this community. We thank you for Pastor Nathan and Kim and their family and the great blessing that they've been to us, Lord, and our community and the way they've served and loved the families here and the children here. God, we thank you that you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing to the next generation. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and kindness and your wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. You came in today. You got a little handout like this. We're going to walk through this. Our text this morning is found in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. You can look it up on your phone. It would help you if you followed along. Some of you are still old school and maybe anybody old school, anybody still bring the old paper back? Come on, everybody, come on. We got a few. We got about four of you in the room today. It's okay to be old school today. But you turn on your phones, your iPads, I want you to, I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read a couple verses, and then we're going to go through a story found in 2 Kings chapter 7. The background is something like this. Uh, the children of Israel who had been blessed by God, these were people of the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God had promised that he would bless them. God told Abraham, God told Isaac, God told Jacob, all three of the founding fathers of Israel's nation in history, that God would bless them so that they could be a blessing. But there was a condition. God always has a condition. God's desire is to bless. God's desire to do good. God's desire is to pour out favor. God's desire to pour out kindness. But there's always a condition in God's kingdom. You've got choices to make. You can choose, you can choose to walk in the ways of God, or you can choose to walk in the ways of the world. And at this time in Israel's history, they had chosen to walk in the ways of the world and the people around their culture. They had chosen to live a life far from God. They worshiped the gods of that generation, the gods of Baal and the different gods. If you go to Israel today, you can actually go to a place called Petra. It's in the northern part of Israel, and you'll see these great big carvings that a pagan group from generations ago, thousands of years ago, have carved into the wall. It was their place of worship, and the Israelites would find themselves at these places of worship, places of false worship. Not the one true God, but a God made with the hands of men who doesn't hear, doesn't see, doesn't speak, and can't change. But they were pulled. They were pulled to serve the ways of the world. And because of that, pain came into their life. Because of that, problems that they couldn't solve came into their life. Because of that, they find themselves in a place of need. 
But I want you to hear this today. God always has a voice. God always has a word. God always has a challenge. God always has someone who is willing to stand up and tell the word of God. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we come to our story and things have gotten pretty bad. As a matter of fact, the children of Israel are in a bad situation. They're in a broken situation. They're in a very broken situation. We're going to see in verse 24 here. Can you put this up on the screen for me? The Bible says, Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, who was the king of Aram, it's fascinating, the king of Aram would be modern-day Syria. Uh, uh, during this time period of Elijah, Elisha, this was about 800 years before Christ would be born, the kingdom, of, the kingdom of Israel, which had once been one tribe under David, had now been, in, now had been split in two. And the tribes in the northern part of the kingdom were now in an area called Samaria. And the king of Syria comes down to Israel and he mobilizes his entire army and he marched up and lays siege to Samaria. Hear me today. Hear me today. There are forces of darkness that are opposed to your life today. There are forces of darkness. There's the power of the enemy that wants to lay siege to the faith of your heart. Wants to say, lay siege to the work that God has begun in your heart. Wants to lay siege. Wants to kill, steal, and to destroy what God has done in your life. The Bible says that he came and he lay siege in Samaria. The modern day Armenians or the modern day uh, uh, Armenians are the, the, the modern day are the Syrians. Do you know for over 3,000 years the Syrians and the Israelis have been in conflict? I mean, the wars and the battles that are taking place in the Middle East today did not start yesterday, it goes way back. Way back. And there was a great famine. First, they were under siege. In other words, their city was surrounded by a foreign army. They weren't able to go forward. They weren't able to leave the camp. They weren't able to go out and work their fields. I mean, they were stuck. And because they were stuck, there was no commerce. There was no produce. There was no food coming into the community. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of sea pods for five shekels. These guys were broke, they were busted, and they were living pretty disgusting lives. You know how disgusting they were living? As a matter of fact, they were so hungry. The siege had caused such famine in the land. The story just preceding this tells us that two women got into an argument about whose child they would eat first. As a matter of fact, here's what sin does in your life. Sin takes you farther than you ever planned, and it keeps you there a lot longer than you ever intended. And things had gotten so bad, they were willing, two women were willing to boil their own children and eat their flesh. Everyone said, that's disgusting. Everyone said, that's wicked. That's evil. But no one knows the plums in the depths of the heart of man when they turn from God. There have been evil things that have happened all throughout history. This is a bad season. This is a bad time. There was great famine in the land. There's a great famine. They're broken. The place that they're living is broken. The fact is today they chose to live their own way and they were eating the fruit of their own choices. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God would speak this to the children of Israel. He would say it like this. In 28, you can read the, in verses 1 through 14, you can read all the blessings of God, all the favor of God, all the things that God said he would do for them. He would provide for them, meet for them, touch them, all these wonderful things. But there was this, con- there was this one little thing. There's one little two-letter word. If, everyone say if. If you obey me. 
I will do this if. Uh, we move into the New Testament. We understand it's a gospel of grace. It's not by our works. But hear me today. Hear me today. If we choose to live our own life, if we choose to go out and sin and walk away from the ways of God and the commands of God and the word of God, we experience his consequences. Paul says it like this in Galatians chapter 6. Whoever sows to the flesh will reap of the flesh. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. If we sow sin in our life, we will eat the fruit. We will eat the consequences. The blessing of God. Walking in the peace of God and that reality of his presence and that confidence of God comes from choosing to obey him. God's part. Everyone say God's part. Everyone say my part. I mean, not only was there a time of famine, but in verse number three, I want you to see there were four men. There were four men who were full of leprosy. There were four men. They, the Bible says that they sat at the entrance of the city gate and they said to each other, why stay here until we die. So not only was there famine, but now our story turns it to a personal level. A personal level of four men. Lepers in Jesus' day, lepers in ancient times, lepers even to this day, their, their condition is very similar. They cannot feel pain. In the 1950s, there was a man by the name of Dr. Paul Brand. He was a, he, he was a surgeon from London, England, and and he felt the call of God to go visit some people in India. He went to India. He went to visit this leper colony. And, and he saw these horrific conditions. People living just absolutely in the worst possible conditions. The most grotesque deformation of their bodies. And destruction and disease had ravaged them. And he walked in there. He was overwhelmed by the smell and the sights and the senses that he had experienced at that moment. And the man that was trying to serve these lepers, uh, Dr. Paul Brand, turned to him and said, uh, he said, Why isn't somebody doing something? And the man said, sir, we're doing everything we know to do. You're just not here yet. You're just not here yet. See, there was a problem. There was a huge problem. And they were looking every, I mean, the tendency wanted to look to everyone else to solve their problem. But Dr. Paul realized that in that moment, that moment, that problem became his problem. And he had a life mission. He would spend the rest of his life. And when he discovered about leprosy is that leprosy wasn't just a flesh-eating disease. Leprosy was actually the result of human beings not being able to feel pain. They couldn't feel pain. They just couldn't feel pain. And because they couldn't feel pain, they would bump and hit and they would do things, touch stuff, touch stuff. Because they couldn't feel pain, their nerve endings started to die. And when their nerve endings started to die, their flesh started to die. Uh, one of the men in a, in, a leper in a leper colony in Louisiana, his name was Tommy Wilson. He brought this to light when he began to help Dr. Paul understand that pain was your friend. You know, we don't want pain. We don't like pain. We want to run from pain. We, we, we anesthesize pain. We, we self-medicate pain. We do a lot of things not to have pain in our life. We do a lot of things. But pain can become your greatest gift. Tommy Wilson, who was a leper, someone was complaining about their situation. And he said, listen, he said, I personally wish I could feel pain because pain will become my greatest friend. What is an enemy to some people, he realized in that moment, if he could feel pain, he would no longer have leprosy. If he could feel pain, if he could feel the pain, there was possibility for him to be healed. Dr. Paul Brown would spend the rest of his life trying to help people who had leprosy, could feel no pain, feel pain. 
<laughs> C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us at a megaphone in our pain. They had pain. And what God was doing in that moment, God was doing these four men, God was using, in just a moment, was going to use the least likely, least likely to bring a promise, a solution to the problem that they were experiencing. See, the pains of life are a promise. The pains of life are a promise. But this is what you must know about God. That in your time of problem, in your time of problem, God knows what you're going through and he's concerned. God knows what you're experiencing. He cares for you. He cares. He's concerned. He knows what worries you. These men right here, they, they, were, they, they were full of pain. They were lepers. I mean, they, they had no hope. They were cast out of a society. I mean, they couldn't work. They couldn't be with their families. Life was very, very difficult, but God saw them. God's concerned about your condition today. God knows exactly where you're at and what you're walking through and the troubles that you are experiencing. God's concerned. God was concerned for these men. The second thing that I want you to see is that God challenges us to God challenges us to cast those concerns or cares to him. We have weights, we have worries, we have problems, we have challenges, we have pains, and God says, give them to me. Do you know that not one person in this room was meant to carry one problem in your life? God, you know what? You know, God, God didn't mean for one person in this room to miss a night of sleep because of a problem that you can't overcome in your life. Do you know that God in this room doesn't want any person to walk through depression, discouragement, or despair because the circumstance in your life is unfavorable? God cares today. First Peter chapter 5, Peter says it like this. I love this in the Amplified Translation. He says, cast. The word in the Greek is parabolo. Literally means to throw once and for all. Did you hear that today? Throw once and for all, all your problems, all your cares, all your concerns, all your sickness, all your disease, all your lack, all your bro Cast it once and for all on me. And the problem is we don't do it one time. We do it all the time. And how about you today? But I'm casting it. My cares before him. We need him. Cast all of our cares. We're not meant to pick it back up. We give it to him. We take it back. We give it to him. We take it back. We give. No, no, no. God says cast it on me. Cast all your cares on me for I care for you because he's a God who comforts. He comforts us when we're weak. You're not able to do this on your own. Jesus said, blessed, happy are those who mourn, who understand their position before God, that they need him. They can't do this on their own. They need his strength. They need his power. Hear me today. Hear me today. You do not need a miracle in your life until there's a mess that you can't fix. I mean, that's just the way it is. You, when you need, when you have a mess, you need a miracle worker to show up. Come on. When, when you got stuff going on you, around you that you can't control and you can't change and you can't do anything about, you know what you need? You need the God of miracles. You need the God of the supernatural. You need the God who is more than enough to show up in your world and take that mess and let, let me tell you today and turn it into a miracle of his provision and supply. Come on, someone said amen. Oh, Yes. Every person here that has a testimony, every person. I, I, I remember last year we had the Teen Challenge guys here, man, and they were telling about all the, so many guys, you know, of all the stuff they've done and how God set them free. And I realized the bigger the testimony, the bigger the test they just walked through. The bigger the testimony of your life, 
Jonah, the bigger the test. Some of us in this room have small tests. Some have big tests. These men had big tests in their lives, but God had a promise for them. I want you to see 2 Kings chapter 7, verse number 1. I want you to see the promise of God's supply. Then God uses a man by the name of Elisha. Everyone say Elisha. I like Elisha. He, he ministered alongside of another prophet by the name of Obadiah and Micah. Elisha was bold. He was tenacious. He was fearless. He wasn't afraid of men or what they thought about him. When the rest of the culture and the rest of the generation said, hey, that stuff for old fuddy duddies. We don't believe that. That book that you're reading today, that come on, how do you know that's true? No, 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 no. Elijah stood up and said, hear the word of the Lord. Someone needs to hear this today. Hear the word of the Lord. God is speaking to someone in this room. He is a God of promise. He's a God who has promised to supply everything you have need of today. Let me tell you, the word of the Lord comes to us today and says about this time tomorrow, a sea of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. They were in a place of lack. But the Lord of the Lord came. Abundance is on his way. They were the place, they were in the place of the impossibility, but the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came to them and said, I am the God who will meet your needs. It doesn't matter what men say. It doesn't matter what the news report says. It doesn't matter what MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, New York Times, Washington Times, Washington Post. It doesn't matter what the LA Times, it doesn't matter what they say. Hear the word of the Lord today. Hear the word of the Lord today. Whose report will you believe? Whose report, whose word do you choose to believe today? Paul the apostle understood this. He understood that people doubted the word of God. And, and in Romans chapter 3, in Romans chapter 3, the Bible says, even if everyone else is a liar, God's word is true. As the scripture says about him, you, me, will be proved right by what we say. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And what are you speaking today? Are you speaking the promises of God? Or are you speaking the report of the doctor? Are you, are you speaking the, uh, you know, the promises of God's word today? Or are you speaking the report of the financial times? Are you speaking the report of God? Or are you speaking what your husband has said about your marriage? Are you speaking the, the word of God today, what the Lord has to say about your circumstance or about what your kids have to say? Today we make a choice. We make a choice today to speak God's word in our life. Oh, this is what the Lord says. You have two choices today. You choose to believe. You choose not to believe. Unbelief can be defined as doubt, lack of faith, to presume something to be untrue or fictitious. Do you know in every generation there are people that don't believe? So verse number two, I want you to put that up there, Second Kings chapter seven, verse number two. The officer of the king, this is a Jewish man. This is a man that had been trained in the ways of God and the word of God. He knew the will of God. He knew Deuteronomy chapter 20. He didn't make it to the king's house without having heard the word of God. He, he was actually standing there with the king, leaning, said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, can this happen? Can this miracle really take place? Can God really provide? Well, come on, are you kidding me? We're in famine. We're besieged by this army. Can this really happen? Do you know unbelief in the garden caused a big problem? Adam and Eve had everything. They were blessed of God. They had the favor of the Lord. 
They had everything, everything that they have need of was right there. And God said, and then listen, I give you everything. You'll never have lack for anything. But this one thing, don't eat of the tree. Oh, mm. Then a little voice comes along. Did God really say that? Did God really say that he would heal all of our diseases? Did God really say that he would provide all my needs? Did God really say that my marriage can be restored? Did God really say that for me and my household, we shall be saved? Did God really say, whose report do you believe? I choose today to believe the report of the Lord. Come on, this man didn't believe. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that the longer that we serve the Lord, the harder it is to believe. The longer that we serve God, many times, we're supposed to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, but the fact is we go longer and longer and we get immune. We've heard shouting, we've heard preaching, we've heard so much teaching. I mean, our ears are full. Our ears are full. Our minds are full. But our hearts are no longer transformed. I remember I was a young Christian, 22 years of age. I heard some teaching about believing God in prayer. And man, I started praying. As a matter of fact, I had prayer requests. I remember I counted one time. I used to keep these reams of paper, and I, I had over 100 prayer requests. And I was asking God for big stuff and little stuff. And I remember one of the prayer requests that I had, it was a really simple one. I said, God, I want a stereo system, not with one speaker, but with two speakers. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was just silly enough to believe. I was just silly enough it was amazing as I walked in that faith and I saw God do so many miracles in my world. But then life happens. Stuff happens. Brokenness happens. Pain happens. Disappointment happens. What I have learned in my life, what I have learned in my life, two things that keep me from believing God. The first one is familiarity. I get too comfortable hanging around. The old revivalists used to say, too many people hang around the cross. Too many people wear the cross. But not enough people get on that cross and let their old man die. Not enough people allow the cross of Jesus Christ to become real and powerful in their life. Familiarity. We look like it. We clean up like it. But our hearts don't believe. The second thing is the spirit of offense. When you get offended, when you get offended... When you get mad at the preacher boy, when you get mad at whoever, the government, when you get mad, at, and you start, when you get offended, you get suspended. When you get offended, faith is blocked. It's a blocker of faith. You can no longer believe. You're carrying around offense. Jesus said it. Jesus said, listen, if you don't forgive your brother, how can your heavenly father in heaven forgive you? And you will pray and nothing will happen because there's a block. It's unforgiveness. Oh, I will open the floodgates of heaven. God says, really? How can that happen? We're in an economic crisis. Don't you know who the president is of the United States of America? I mean, don't you know what's happening in our government? Don't, oh, I want you to know today, I'm not believing the report of the world. I'm not believing the report of man. I'm not believing the report of everyone around me. I choose today to believe the report of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. It's going to rain heaven. God's going to open up. God's going to do it today. I mean, there are so many ifs. 
God says, I'm gonna do this if you forgive. I'm gonna heal you if you rise up and walk. I'm gonna never leave you, forsake you. If you choose, if you make a choice to abide in me, I will abide in you. I will supply and meet your every need if you open, if you open up your hands and you live generously. I will help you if, I, if you believe that I'm the only one who is your source today. I will fill you with my spirit if you worship me and worship me alone. Oh, there's a big two-letter word there. If, if. If, see, they were, he was stuck in the butt, but God can really do, can God really do that? Did God really say that? No, God says, I can, I will, I desire, because the God that you and I serve is a God of unusual supernatural supply. Put that, put that point up there for me. The God that you and I serve, you see, God used some unusual people to bless, these four lepers are about to experience something in their life that would radically change the way that they live forever. In verse number three, I want you to see the story here. The Bible says these four men with leprosy at the city gate. They said, hey, listen, if we sit here at the gate of Samaria any longer, we're going to die. I mean, I mean, the people inside, they possibly have a chance. We sit out here. No one will ever come close to us. Never, no one will ever walk up to us. There's no ministry to lepers in this time. If we sit out here and die, but here's the thing. If we go into the city of our means, if we go into the city of our means, maybe we'll live. If we stay here, we die. Possibly if we go there, they might have mercy and spare us. They might kill us. Then we die. But so what? We did something. We move forward. Whether we stay, we might die. Whether we go, we might die. But if we go, they might have mercy on us. Look at verse number five. And at dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the camp, the edge of the camp, no one was there. Huh. What happened? <laughs> okay, if we stay here, we're going to die for sure. If we stay on the outside of the gate, if we get up and go to the Armenians, the Syrians, yeah, we might die, but maybe they'll have mercy. I don't know. But they were willing to get up. They are willing to step out. When it looked to be ridiculous, Come on, hear me today. Here's what God does. When you are willing to do the ridiculous, it's generally when God steps in and works the miraculous. It's, but it's not until you're willing to surrender. It's not until you're willing to give up and say, God, I can't, but I know and believe you can. These men got up, and they went to the camp. And when they got there, when they got there, no one was there. No one was there. I love what the book of James says in James chapter 2. You know, we're faith people. And sometimes as Christians, we just, you know, there's a theology out there that says, well, we're just, God's going to do it. Bless God if God wants to do it. And maybe he'll do it and maybe he won't do it. And, but we're just going to, you know, wait. And I don't know. And I hope he can. I don't know if he can. And a lot of people say, well, I pray. Because, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It doesn't really matter. And like, that, that's dumb. Like every time you see people get a miracle from God, they almost, almost always had their part. They almost always did something. Whether it was Jesus telling the man at the pool of Bethesda who had been born deformed since birth and lay there lame to pick up your mat and walk. Come on. Come on. Or, or seven times he told Naaman to go down and dip in the pool. Seven times. There was a faith act. There was a step that he had to take. Come on. There was a step that he had to take. A little boy. A little boy had five loaves and two little fishies. And he had to act. 
The act was he gave them to Jesus. You have to give your problems. You have to give your brokenness. You have to give your lack, your sickness, your despair. You have to be willing to say, God, I'm not going to carry this heavy burden around any longer. God, I'm not going to be weighed down with the load of sin and the brokenness, gloom, despair, and agony on me. No, no, no. God, I'm going to act today. I'm going to give it to you today. I'm going to trust you today. And when they got to the camp, the camp of the Armenians, there was no one there. Look at verse number six. For the Lord, for the Lord caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and of horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel, the king, king must have did something. I don't know what he did. Something funny over there. Hired it. No, 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 no. It wasn't the king that did it. It was the king of kings that did it. It wasn't man that brought a solution to the problem. It was the Lord that brought a solution to the problem. I want you to hear this today. Whose report? Who do you trust? Who do you believe today? Do you trust in man? Some men trust in horses and some men trust in chariots. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Come on. Oh, come on. Oh, the ways of God. The ways of God are strange. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how this whole city heard horses when there were no horses. I don't know how they heard chariots when there were no chariots. But I know that God does. Oh, I don't know how God does it. His ways, Isaiah says, are far above my ways. His thoughts are nothing like my thoughts. Come on. His ways are far beyond anything I could ever imagine. What I know about our God today is that he is willing today to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ever ask or think. God works in unusual ways, mysterious ways. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind because the things of the Spirit seldom make sense. If you can figure it out, work it out, pay your way out, if you can do all those kinds of things, manipulate your way out, talk your way out, you probably don't need God. But the moment you get to that place, the place of lack, these guys were broken. They had no hope, but they served a God of hope. They acted in faith. They went to the city. Look at verse number eight here with me. Oh, then the man who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and they entered one of the tents and they ate and drank. Oh, I, I was looking at this. I'm like, wow, God has a wonderful sense of humor. God has a wonderful sense of humor. The least likely, the least, least likely to be blessed the least likely to experience the favor of God, the least likely to experience the promotion in the company, the least likely to have their bank account full, the least likely to have their marriage restored, the least likely to see their children come back to God, the least likely today experiences the supernatural divine intervention of their God because they believe. They got up and did something. You show me your faith, I'll show you my faith by my works. They got up and they acted and God works supernaturally and God wants to work supernaturally, but you must believe today and your faith must be motivated by action. Oh, God opens it up. God opened up the heavens. Oh, they got up and they began to eat. Oh, keep that up there. They began to eat and drink and they took the silver and the gold and the clothes and they went off and hid them. And they returned and entered another tent and took some more things. And they hid them also. In a brief moment, they got real selfish. In a brief moment, they were living like everybody else. 
to Hades with them, it's all about me. I mean, you just think, oh man, I got mine. I'm gonna go take them. I don't let anybody know I got this. I just won the lotto. I ain't gonna tell nobody. But then the news sticks your face out there and makes everybody in the world, you can't hide that. They try to do lawsuits. And I said, no, 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 you won't. We're gonna get you out there. No, don't play the lotto. Don't do that. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, man. This is just such a biblical pattern how God works. God takes you from a place of brokenness and need of lack. I mean, you're just, you know it. And I'm not talking about just finances here. I'm maybe talking about broken spirit. I've known some very, very wealthy people that had really broken relationships, had some personal addictions and habits that couldn't overcome. Not just one, but many. Some of you in this room. Uh, it's not the money here today, but there's a place of lack. It could be resources. The children of Israel, they were in captivity for 400 year, years to the Egyptians. They were always in a place of lack. The taskmaster was cruel and hard. I mean, as a matter of fact, at the very end of their time of ca ca captivity, man, they had to cry out to God. And God raised up a deliverer. God caused them to walk on dry ground across the Red Sea. <sighs> But you know when he brought them out of Egypt, he put them on the pathway to the promised land. They didn't go from zero to hero overnight. They had to walk a journey because God took them from a place of not enough to just enough because he was leading to a land of more than enough. And God wants you to have more than enough love. Come on. God wants you to have more enough today. More enough is supply. God took these guys. They had silver and gold. They were getting a little selfish. Then look what happens in verse number nine. Look at the next verse here. Put the next verse up. Then they said to each other, you know what? This isn't right. We're not doing this right. They got convicted. They realized that the best life, the blessed life, wasn't a selfish life, but the life of sharing and giving to others. I don't know how they got that, but somehow they got it. They realized that just keeping this for them and hiding the gold and the silver, you need enough just for them for and no more. They knew that that wasn't the best life. They knew that God had the blessed life. I want you to see what happens here. So they say to one another, this is a day of good news. Everyone say good news. Come on, this is a day of good news. I got good news for you today. My God reigns. He's still on the throne. He's still the ruler of rulers. He's still the king of kings. He's still the Lord of lords of your circumstances, of your reality, of my reality, of my life today. I got good news today. I got new, good news today that although we carry within us the sentence of death, there is a God who raises the dead. There is a God who delivers us from all of our enemies. There is a God who is a way maker in the wilderness when there seems to be no way. Come on, my God. My God is more than enough in this house today. Oh, yes. I got good news. I once was lost. Come on, I once was lost. I once was blind, but now I see. I know today that in this room there's someone that's got a good news there's someone that's got a message of hope for this generation you know what you got to tell someone you got to tell someone oh he's a good God he's a good God oh we got good news today we got a message of hope come on we live in a world with no hope we're watching all this craziness on TV with our government and the world's angry and mad there's a lack of love and forgiveness. Everybody's right. Everybody's so right, they're so wrong. I got good news today. 
There's a God of hope, not dependent upon the United States political system. Far above it. His ways are above my ways. Come on. His ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts today. Oh, verse number 10. So they went out and called to the city gatekeepers. Hey, guys. This word in the Hebrew, they're called like a shout. They're shouting. Hey, hey, everybody. We were once broke. We were once busted. We were once disgusted. But God just dropped us into the land of more than enough because our God was a miracle worker. You're not going to believe what happened. We had nothing. We were zeros. We had the sentence of death. But in one moment, God took us to become heroes. We have an abundance because he's a God of more than enough to supply all of our needs. And he did it right then. And they had to tell someone. They convicted. They, be, they become concerned about the needs of others. They begin to share the word of God. The word of God. In that moment, at that moment, the blessed became a blessing. They were, they were blessed. I mean, they, they had food and they had stuff and they realized they couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to share it with others. In that moment, the promise of Abraham became real to them. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations of the earth. God's blessed you today. He's given you life. In your brokenness and your pain, you open your hands and say, God, I'm willing to be used of you. God, I'm willing to be used of you. Three things that happen here. There's three things that happen when we choose the blessing. We choose to pass away, to give away the blessing of God. Then, uh, or saying, God, I trust you. There's a, a small group of people here that tithe. Tithe every week, every month. They're a small group, very small. People want to argue the tithe for the Old Testament, whatever. I said, just do like they did in the book of Acts. They gave it all away, then you'll probably get close. But, you know, however you want to work, they, they tithe. And the reason that you're here today is because somebody gave, somebody before you gave. And, and so you're saying, God, when I give today, I'm trusting that you're going to meet my needs. And when we give today, the needs of other people are met. The needs of the whole community, the Jewish community, the people of all Samaria, they were able to eat that day. They ate the plunder of the enemy. They ate the plunder of the enemy. God will enable you to eat the plunder of the enemy today. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, no, 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 no. I've not come to give you life. You're getting my goodness. Other needs are met. Last week, uh, we gave away 574 food bags. Come on, give God a great big hand. Because somebody gave. 55 missionaries, thousands of dollars every month. Church plants are being built. Because someone gave. Medical missionaries were over in a distant land today, bringing healing through their hands to people who couldn't pay. Because you gave. Because you gave today. One beggar. One beggar got to hear the good news. And they, in turn, received that bread of life. And they now, in turn, can become a beggar that passes that food on to someone else. Before you, Because you gave. Because we give. Because we choose to live the blessed life. Because we choose to do that. The good news of Jesus is celebrated in our city. The good news of Christ. Jesus becomes famous. His name is lifted up. His name is lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. 
we lift up his name. Not the name of a church, not the name of a pastor, not the name of a denomination. We lift up the name of Jesus, the name which is above every other name. So now what do we do today? What do we do with this? What do we do with this today? Are you choosing today to take that blessing that God has given to you to be a blessing to others? Are you choosing, have you chosen today to be to share that hope, to shout out to others? Hey man, my life was a mess, but I was I had wrong thinking about who God was. Today I gotta just share with you a little message of what God has done in me. Are you willing today to share your bread? Literally, spiritually. I, I was so blown away last week. I, I challenged for a couple weeks. Said, "Hey, church, let's do this. Let's, let's see what could happen if we all came together. And we're gonna do one day, one day to give as, as an act of thanksgiving. As an act of thanksgiving, we're just gonna bring back to God one day salary, one day salary of our month. So we're gonna take figure out whatever you make a month and take one day and give that back to the Lord as an offering. I want to report to you today. I want to. I want to give a good news report today. You want to have. You want to hear a good news report today. Fifteen thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven dollars. Come on, come on. Give God a great big hand today. One day, one day, just one little small act of generosity. We chose. We chose the blessed to be a blessing. I want you to stand at this time. You know what? I got to take the offering. I preached all through the offering moment here. And uh, you got to promise me today, because I really want, I want to do something here. I've asked the worship team, they sang another song for the offering song just a few minutes ago. And, but I feel like there's some of you in this room, the atmosphere of your heart needs to change. The atmosphere of your soul needs to change. Some of you in this room today, man, you've been living a place of lack and You've been confessing the wrong thing and speaking the wrong thing and not believing the report of God. And, you, and it has to change in here. Before it comes out here, before it comes out here, it has to change in here. And the atmosphere of your heart has to change. We're going to receive our tithe and offering this morning. And, and please just honor the Lord in your giving today. But more importantly than that today is that you have a touch of God. That we leave this place people who understand that we are blessed to be a blessing.